Manny coming back to you live and direct with Running Lifestyle Culture, the podcast. I'm looking forward to this episode, so let's get started. On this episode, we have a guest, like we have a guest on every episode. So, hello to my guest. Hello, thank you for inviting me this uh, sunny bank holiday weekend. (laughs) Um, so on the Running Lifestyle Culture podcast, our guests introduce themselves. Who are you and what do you do? Sure. So I'm Dr. Nikki Kay. I'm a medical doctor and I've got particular passion and, you know, experience, expertise in hormones, particularly related to exercise um, and how to get the most out of our amazing hormones through exercise and what exercise can do for your hormones as well. So yeah, that's that's what I've been doing for the last 30 years or so, I'm quite old now. Um, but you know, and making sure this is applicable to everybody out there um, wanting to reach their, who doesn't want to reach their full potential, their full performance. So that that's my job, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Amazing, Nikki, thank you so much for joining me. Um, so from my perspective, I've gone through a bit of a exploration and, and kind of, investigation into hormones simply because i've been working with people recently um they have been having issues with things like stress fractures uh reduction in sleep um quite poor sleep Mm -hmm. cycles um and also difficulty with uh nutrition and eating in a in a you know in a cycle or in a consistent way Mm -hmm. to support their training um before we dive in even mm-hmm. further just let's go biology 101 just for anyone mm-hmm. who's listening who may not understand or know um nikki just give us a breakdown what what do you mean by hormones and what do you mean by you know allowing people to you know uh, get to their full potential how do how do these two things interact and mm. so hormones are well i think the thing is the hormones are invisible <laughs> you can't touch them you can't feel them they're very small molecules going around in our bloodstream so that's why they seem a little bit esoteric you can't you know you can't really appreciate what they are but let me tell you that they are amazing so even though you can't see them even though they're very small they have really really powerful effects Mm -hmm. so these chemical messengers travel through the bloodstream uh delivering messages uh to all the cells in the body because if you travel in the bloodstream as a messenger you're really no postal strikes or anything right you can get to every single cell in the body but what does the hormone do once it gets to that cell? Uh, what it does is pretty amazing. It goes into the cell nucleus, into the uh, where the DNA lives. So the DNA, I think hopefully people are familiar with that, the blueprint for life as we refer to it, all the genes, the genetic code. The hormones go there and they say, right, to the DNA, they say, right, we want this gene expressed now because these genes have the code, the blueprint for making certain proteins. So what's the link with what you do in your hormones and everything so for example you go running why why do you go running because obviously you're going to say to me well because i want to improve i want to be fit i want to be healthy i want to get you know stronger muscles etc but what is actually translating from you running so now in a few days time few weeks time whatever it is you wake up and it's like hey that's really made a difference now yes my leg muscles are stronger what's happened it's not a magical potion, it's your hormones. Your hormones have been acting on your behalf. They've responded to that challenge you're giving your body. Look, I want to do more running. I want to do it really well and efficiently. So the hormones, uh, particularly while you're asleep, actually, you actually get fitter while you're asleep. Um, They go in and make sure that the DNA produces lots of muscle protein, for example. 
So that's what hormones are. They uh, keep your body um, healthy, mentally and physically, by the way, and particularly relating to exercise, which is, you know, what we're really going to focus on running. And, and for me, it's ballet. But anyway, for ex exercise of any sort, whatever you do, um, you're doing that because you want to get fit and healthy, which is brilliant. Uh, but say thank you to your hormones. And if you treat these hormones nicely, they will definitely do the job for you. Love that. And you get fitter when you sleep. That's one of the key takeaways mm -hmm. I think people need to know. Um, where are the hormones generally produced, would you say? Well, there are particular hormone generating glands, if you want to call them that, the endocrine glands, throughout the body, dotted throughout the body. So, for example, if we start at the top, there's the thyroid gland in your neck. It controls the metabolic rate, the rate at which you use energy. Um, in men, of course, the testes produce testosterone. In women, the ovaries produce estrogen and, and uh, progesterone. I mean, listen, I won't give you the whole anatomy list of them, but there's plenty of them, um, all doing the particular sort of job, right? But uh, a very important one to mention is the master controller. The master controller of quite a lot of these hormones uh, is located, no surprise, in the brain. And it's right in the center of the brain, so it can keep a good watching brief on what you're doing. How much training are you doing? What are you eating? And also it's keeping it, uh, and you know, half an eye on what's happening inside. How is the body coping with this? Are the bones happy? Have the bones got enough uh, uh, nutrients and hormones happen you see what i mean so that is the sort of the gatekeeper as we call it uh in the brain the hypothalamus if we want to give it a name and that is in charge of poetically described the conductor of the endocrine orchestra that's called the pituitary gland in case you come across these names but not essential to know them but just so that people understand what's happening there are lots of glands all over the body producing hormones but they're not just doing it in a chaotic fashion no 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 uh they are in general quite a lot of them not all of them uh under the uh control of this central uh, organizer conductor nice okay amazing so that's biology 101 for everybody and mm -hmm. i guess what we need to know is um we have this central controller now mm -hmm. I know people experience sometimes, uh, you know, lack of sleep or high stress. Does the central mm. controller become affected by those things? Absolutely. So the central controller, um, if you just sort of lived, uh, if you just sort of stayed in bed all day and had nothing changed and you didn't do anything, it, the controller would have a very easy job, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would just like, let's just keep everything ticking over. But if you get up and start moving exercising eating it's going to it's going to be keeping an eye on on that right and so then it's going to uh, slightly send uh modify what the hormones are doing so the hormones have their own clocks they will just keep ticking over in a set it a certain way just everything steady homeostasis as we call it no changes but then if you give it uh uh, your body a challenge the controller will notice this and say okay fine now you need to up your game or you need to down your game even in some cases, right? So you need to now change exactly what you're doing. Yeah. But the thing is, because they have, it's like um, a clock. There are lots of different clocks, all these uh, different hormone, uh, these glands like releasing in a certain pattern. So ideally, it would be great if you could synchronize what you're doing with the clocks, right? Yeah. Because then you've got, if you do have a scheduling conflict, in other words, you're doing, you're trying to go running at 3 a.m. in the morning, for example, yeah, uh, that's definitely not going to be. That's going to the control is going to get. Yeah, in a it's like what this yeah. is out of sync with what all the other hormones are doing their clock. So 
that's why we say, you know, we talk about, you use these words, periodized training. We always emphasize rest and recovery and the sleep because that's when you get fitter. You see all these other things. So mm. it's not just, just chuck everything in there. Just chuck in as much training as you can and just eat whatever, whenever. No, common sense tell you, tell, you know that that isn't going to work. But why does it not work? Yeah. Because you'll be really, really having this scheduling conflict with what's happening inside your body. And I think I wanted to just pinpoint in on, on maybe one hormone in particular, mm. because um, sleep is a big thing that I'm noticing just generally. Mm. Um, so I've, I've read somewhere that serotonin is released maybe between nine and 10 o'clock at night in the evening. And I know mm -hmm. people find it hard to sleep at that time. Um, do, you know, what kind of impact are we having on ourselves if we are sleeping after midnight, um, you know, those early hours and then trying to mm. trying to do exercise? Yeah, well, it's funny you should say this because my grandmother, uh, you know, bless her, she's, she's not with us anymore, but she always used to say, oh, it's the hours of sleep we get before midnight that's really, really important. So as a youngster, I just used to think, well, it's just my grandmother, old wild's tale, you know, etc. And lo and behold, a couple of months ago, it's a paper came out saying yeah. that, that actually it's those hours before midnight that are the precious ones. And why is that? Because your hormones have these clocks because they are set when the sun goes down, you start producing the sleep hormone melatonin, serotonin also, um, like you mentioned, they're sort of related hormones. Uh, and then once you go to sleep, also what's uh, scheduled to come on stream, as it were, is the release of growth hormone. Yes. Now growth hormone um, isn't just about children growing. Obviously it's very important for children growing, but even old people like me have a little bit of growth hormone. Growth hormone is really super important hormone for athletes. Um, because it helps with the body composition, the muscles, less body fat, all those adaptive changes. That's why I say you get fitter when you're asleep. And by the way, growth hormone is scheduled to come on round about uh, midnight. So you want to be in bed and sleeping and, and that's you, your body's ready to, you know, embrace that growth hormone. Wow, okay. But that's why, um, you know, trying to have a regular uh, bedtime, so, you know, the bedtime routine, the sleep hygiene strategies that a lot of people talk about. Try actually putting an alarm on for going to bed. Um, that's one of the top tips of my book, you know, uh, yeah. which I talk about hormones and, and uh, all, everything we're talking about today. And at the end of each uh, chapter, there's, there are the top tips. And this is definitely one of the top tips we're talking about right here. Put on an alarm to go to bed. I mean, listen, there will be some nights, uh, you know, for example, it's bank holiday weekend, and if you want to stay up a bit later and have a drink, you know, that's fine once in a while. But if you make a regular routine of, well, you're trying to make it more of a regular thing, um, you know, definitely that's not going to be beneficial for your hormones. And we know from this study that actually has long-term effects on your health. You won't be as healthy and you certainly won't be as, as fit as, as you want to be or as you deserve to be if you are doing the training, you see. That's really um, insightful. I think the key takeaways there, um, as you've said, really, I think, you know, the human growth hormone and, and getting mm. that muscle mass. So mm. I, know, I know a lot of people who train a lot. They probably mm. train more than some athletes and some people mm. I know who are slightly fitter and slightly leaner. Mm. So you can train and train and train, but if you're not getting that sleep, you're not going to gain the benefit. So all yeah, the time, exactly. you're, all the time mm. you're spending training, um, actually could be slightly wasted, right? It could be just Yeah, yeah, you could be training futile. in the grey zone. 
you know, and, and exactly sort of junk hours. Yeah. And so actually really, of course, you must train, of course, it's, that's the starting point, that's the stimulus. But, I, you know, it's because instinctively you think the more I train, the better. And the, the rest and the recovery is just like a, an optional extra, but it's the opposite way round. You have to match up the training with the recovery because you get slip, fitter while you're asleep, see? So that if yeah. you remember that, then that will really help. And also the other thing is I think you make such an important point right there that lots of, you know, amateur athletes or ones who maybe are starting to get into running or whatever it is, um, you know, they sort of almost apologize to me and say, oh, I'm not an elite athlete. It's yes, but you're actually trying to train like one. And, yeah. and you know, you don't. And professional athletes, I mean, I'm not making out it's an easy job, by the way, but that is their job. So when they're not training and exercising, I can tell you, they are resting and recovering, right? And they might even be having naps during the day and all sorts of things like this. But if you're uh, sort of a mere mortal, uh, you know, like me, then actually you've also got your day job as well. So, you know, bear that in mind that you, uh, you know, you can't expect so much of your body. It's, it's unreasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what are your thoughts on, I think one thing somebody would say uh, as a rebuttal to, to what mm -hmm. we're talking about is, you know, they find it really um, difficult to settle in the mm -hmm. evening and they find they find stress is a key issue when trying to get to sleep. Are there any thoughts, do you have any thoughts on how to maybe regulate some of those hormones that maybe, you know, that are triggered when somebody is trying to settle and they've got a busy mind and, and they're mm. finding it hard to sleep. Do you have any thoughts or solutions or points and yeah. things they could, they could do? Sure. So that's, that's sort of effectively what's called sleep hygiene, which isn't just about having clean sheets, although I'm sure that helps. So it's, so number one, we've already said, having a regular bedtime and having a routine. It's like, say you're going to go to bed at 10.30. So you definitely need to start sort of winding down like 9.30. Uh, so definitely, and I know I was told off for this just yesterday evening, don't look at your phone or your computer, right? There's a curfew on that mm. because the light emitted from the screens that interferes with production of the sleep hormone melatonin. So curfew on screens. Uh, and then whatever it is for you that helps you wind down. For some people, it's listening to music. Some people, it's reading a book. You know, it's just having a hot bath. The other top tip is um, a milky drink is quite good because milk, um, it's great stuff, milk, um, because it contains a particular type of protein called casein, which is very good for muscle, um, as you know, muscle repair and mm. things like this, which is going to be driven by your growth hormone when you're asleep. So number mm. one, it's good for that. Also, it's got a particular uh, substance in it called tryptophan, which is the precursor for making this hormone, the sleep hormone melatonin that we're talking about. Wow. Do you see? So exactly. So a milk drink is double effect of the, giving you the good protein and also helping with the production of, of melatonin. But it's also that regularity of this is your routine. This is the time you're going to bed, you know. Uh, nine times out of ten or, or six times out of seven per week or whatever you know what I mean and then your body also gets used to the routine uh, and you're getting in sync with your uh, internal hormones so having that routine uh, those are the simple things I mean there's a whole massive long list but those are the essential ones and you know if you have done exercise during the day then probably you are physically tired actually but I agree that sometimes the brain can be racing so again that's why it's something that takes the brain down, um, whether that's reading or the music or whatever the relaxation is for you that helps you calm the brain 
or if your brain is still buzzing and by the way i understand what it is you know like make yourself a list that evening that's okay that's put committed to paper that's what i'm going to do in the morning so you're not churning it over when you're asleep it's like no i've written it down i know what i'm going to do tomorrow uh and then that's sort of put away for now you know amazing yeah i think that's that's really really important i think from my perspective and what i experience um I don't think many people do set alarms. I actually have an alarm where my phone goes to sleep at about 7.30 p.m. So, oh, good. Yeah, well, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, that's, that's definitely I, good. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of sleep, and most people know that. I think it's the hidden. I think it's the hidden superpower that we never really use definitely. properly. And we can all, we can all, you know, it's not some, it's not something expensive. It's not something, you know what I mean. It's not difficult. Well, I mean, it's so long as you know that it's important and you've made that the priority and you've tried all the, these things we're talking about to try and make sure you get a good night's sleep. Uh, those are all the, you know, that, there you go. It's, it's an easy, it's an easy win. Yeah. And I think I've, I've noticed also, um, and there's some literature that supports sleep and, um, your, your kind of, um, understanding and interpretation of pain or discomfort can be affected by sleep. Do you, do you listen, have any? I listen. I will. I will give a quote from Shakespeare for that. Okay. Um, the, that sleep is the chief nourisher in life's great feast. Okay. So wow, that's pretty good. I remember that from my O level English. I'm going to show my age now. We've studied Macbeth anyway. Even back then, as a youngster, I thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. And then now you unpick it, it's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it helps the hormones, you know, the adaptations of exercise, all those things. But then there's an extra level, of course, which we can't exactly quantify, but the cognitive function, for sure. You know how it is. If you've had a bad night's sleep, uh, by the way, being a junior doctor on call, uh, it's really bad for mm. your health and your sleep, for mm. sure. And, you know, you everyone knows if you've had a bad night's sleep, for whatever reason, um, then you know how you feel in the morning, don't you? You just feel just so blurry and just like a hangover and... You're just not on it at all. So there are lots of studies showing that, um, yeah, accidents happen. This is why it's so bad for doctors. <laughs> accidents happen <laughs> mm. in the wee hours of the morning. And also you're more likely to make mistakes and, mm. and I'm sure experience pain and all these sorts of things. If your brain has not had that downtime to, uh, you know, prune the neurons and, and just sort of settle. Yeah. But equally, I think you also people will find that sometimes you you've got a problem in your mind and you go to sleep and then in the morning it's like oh suddenly like inspiration has come mm. it's like okay of course i know how to do that why was i stressing about that so definitely there's a psychological mental benefit of sleep as well yeah for sure and in terms of moving on from sleep what mm. what do you feel hormones um how do you feel they impact us in terms of our nutrition and and, um, and how we kind of refuel, repair? What do you think are key takeaways we can think about uh, moving forward? I think um, we had we mentioned this before we came on air and you said consistent nutrition. That is the key thing. Uh, because we talked about having this regular sleep pattern, good sleep. It's the same for nutrition. You know, um, again, going back to my grandmother, <laughs> you know, it sounds really sort of boring and common sense, but actually, you know, having three regular meals a day, yeah. please don't skip breakfast. Yeah. And please fuel around your train. Okay. So in my book, I quote, uh, fuel 
for the work required on a forward-looking schedule, which means, which translates to, in practical terms, what does that mean? It means don't do faster training, Yeah. <laughs> right? Especially in the morning, because when you wake up in the morning, that's why it's called breakfast, because you're breaking your fast. Yeah. Your, your body's already a little bit stressed, cortisol's high, so if you now try and put extra stress on it by training, number one, you won't get the benefits like we've discussed, um, and it, if anything, it might uh, it's going to put you in a big energy deficit, you see, and then you're sort of chasing your tail effectively for the rest of the day. So, in practical terms, three regular meals a day, each meal with decent amount of uh, protein and complex carbohydrates, so, you know, the rice, the potatoes, the bread, all those things. And then if you, depending on when you're training, if, say, you're training after work, let's say, for example, so you've had lunch, fine, but say you're going to go training at five or six, then definitely you should have an, a snack an hour before, like a banana, something carbohydrate, cereal bar. Then you do your training, and then ideally you must, it's uh, advised that you refuel within 20 minutes of stopping. If you're lucky enough that you can sit down and have your dinner within 20 minutes, brilliant. But for most of us, that might not be practically possible. Um, so it's good idea to have uh, within that 20 minutes to have something to ham. Uh, you know, the banana milkshake is ideal because you've got protein and carbohydrate uh, in that, something like that. So making sure you're having those regular meals and paying attention, close attention to the details of fueling around training. Number one, you will get the most, you will have the energy to train is the number one point, but also refueling afterwards if within that window, that's going to really help all the um, repair. So there will be a bit of repair, you know, um, uh, and prevent the body leaching energy from bones and muscles. You mentioned stress factors, I think, earlier on. So we don't want that. So in order to avoid that, consistent nutrition, that is the key thing. Yeah, and I think you've, you, as you mentioned before, it sounds like if you do have that session after work, that milk will be good for you with the yeah, casein. Exactly. I'm a big fan of milk. It's, it's easy. Yeah. And also, sometimes I know what it's like. Sometimes, if you've been exercising, you don't feel like something Eating, like yeah. solid, you know what I mean? Yeah. But actually, a milkshake is uh, uh, super, super easy. It, it, it will slip down nicely. So, that's another top tip if you're struggling. I have some people that say, oh, well, look, I really can't. Because at the other end of the day, you might be training early in the morning. I used to do uh, competitive swimming <laughs> for my sins as a youngster, and we had to be at the pool, poolside, uh, 6 a.m., and so did my sons. Anyway, uh, foolish decision as a parent. Anyway, um, so, you know, uh, you know, you don't feel like eating much at, at 5 o'clock in the morning. It's true. But for me, actually, I could stomach a small portion of cereal or, again, some sort of liquid carbohydrate drinks or, or even fruit juice is better than nothing. So find out what works for you. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I noticed that we try and do things on an empty tank uh, as, mm. a gen as a general population. So we'll try and think that our bodies are invincible and we don't <laughs> take into account that we need fuel for the, as you said, fuel for the task, fuel for the demands of yeah. what you need to do and you need to do it consistently. I guess mm. if you don't do that, you can put yourself at risk of something called mm. Reduce energy deficiency syndrome mm, or yeah. red or red S, which um, some people would have heard in the media, but some people listening to this may not know. Um, can you kind of break down what what happens in that reduce energy mm. deficiency syndrome and and why it's important for us to think about? So, if you haven't got the right balance, 
you haven't got that consistent, uh, you know, eating patterns, fueling patterns around your training. What happens is it's uh, it's like getting an overdraft at the bank, right? <laughs> mm. We know what that's like. So, you know, then you're asking so much of your body, your body will try and, and by the way, we prioritize movement from an evolution point of work, uh, point of view to run away from saber tooth tigers, etc. So you might turn around and say, well, I can't be in energy deficiency because I can still run. But yes, as I say, the body will prioritize that. So it'll put all the energy you have to do that, but then it will leave itself um, in deficit. Okay. Uh, and then that's a real problem because now the body is, has to do something. It has to go into energy saving mode, as I call it. Yeah. So this means it's going to save on energy. And the best way it can save on energy is down regulating some of these precious hormones. Because mm. to keep the body fit and really good and everything like this, you know, that takes energy to let the hormones do their jobs. But the only way to save energy is to down regulate those hormones. And this comes at the price of both your health and your performance. You mentioned stress fractures. This is a classic one. I see lots of uh you know athletes dancers whoever um who end up in a low energy availability okay so not enough energy in the tank they've got they've got an overdraft and so the body's gone into energy saving mode and this has a bad effect and uh, you know they come limping in with the stress fracture which is really sad to see because it could have been prevented you see so that's uh what reds stands for uh relative energy deficiency in sport now don't be put off by the word sport by the way um, so lots again, lots of people will turn around and come and, and they apologize that I'm not an elite athlete. I'm not even doing a sport. They're not competing, but it could ha it can happen to anybody. Um, you've probably seen this yourself that you know yeah. some uh, people who may, may may not even be competing, but are just doing a lot of exercise because they want to get fitter or they enjoy it, which is brilliant, which is brilliant. But you have to match it uh, with number one, the rest and the recovery, and also with the energy intake that's sufficient to uh, get the benefits from, from that training and prevent falling into energy deficit, which will definitely have a bad effect on your health and your performance. Yeah, and I think um, some things that I would also like to point out is that mm. sometimes um, I, I've noticed that it may not always be evident as... Um, a stress fracture sometimes people become yeah. irritable is that right oh yeah because absolutely. the, the mean, hormones the stress, have a hormone change yeah, exactly the, the stress fracture is the sort of the, the happens a long time after you've been in energy deficit so it's a real red flag warning thing that's what i mean it's really sad because it could have been preventable because there will be warning signs beforehand there will be warning signs as you said your mood your irritable um, it might you might not be able to sleep because actually your body's trying to get you to wake up to eat. You see, mm. so uh, which so that becomes a vicious circle. So it could just be your mood that it's just like you don't feel good. It could be just sort of some niggly injuries, soft tissue maybe. You just keep. I mean, you know, we all get injured from time to time, unfortunately. But you know, just something that you just keep getting injured, and it just you know, even though they get yeah. really good physio, just keep coming back. Something's not one, right. One thing, one sorry to interrupt you. One thing I have seen mm. is people have multiple sites of pain. So if you have sites of yeah. pain that are not really, then they don't really put like paint a picture of a specific injury. A mechanical thing. Yes, yeah. it, there's something else going on. So yeah. exactly. So so just like injuries, tendency to injury all over the place, like you say, not as a clear pattern. 
Um, of course, in uh, women, the signal of low energy availability, the warning sign is that their periods might become irregular or even stop. That's a big, uh, clear one. Uh, guys, this can happen to men as well. And so the testosterone might go low and that's going to reduce your libido and you're just not going to feel so energetic, right? Mm. Uh, so, you know, th there are things, but you have to kind of be honest with yourself almost. You know, sometimes you want to put those things aside and attribute to them something else. It's like, oh, well, that's because I had a stressful day at work or something. But actually be honest with yourself. Is it because you were doing fasted training and there's something like that? Because then you can put that right and you can hopefully prevent the stress fracture or the injuries, the, the really serious injuries uh, that come, that will kind of inevitably follow if you continue under fueling and being in low energy availability, you will get reds. And what do you think about um, blood tests to monitor um, your hormonal levels or, you know, things like vitamin D levels? So to oh, make yeah. sure, to ensure that you're you're consuming and, and having enough fuel? Well, I think, you know, um, I think to be fair on the NHS, we should only go and ask for a blood test, you know, if there is something really you're concerned about because, you know, having worked in the NHS for years and years, they are overstretched. But if you had the budget and the ability to check your, uh, you know, marks in your blood, that's obviously extra information. But just to pick up on that vitamin D that you mentioned there, I mean, uh, that is such an easy thing to fix, uh, you know, especially living in the UK. I know it's sunny today, but let's be honest, it's not sunny very often, okay? Mm. And so vitamin D is a strange one because you, the main source is from the action of sunlight on your skin. So if you're listening to this and you're not taking vitamin D supplements, uh, yeah get some okay. <laughs> they're not too expensive either and so taking that uh i take it all year round every day actually you know something around a thousand are you because that will help uh with injury and bone uh problems it also helps with immunity well why not that's a that's a uh, really good yeah. one so definitely vitamin d and you don't necessarily have to measure that but it's helpful if you can get it measured in terms of the other hormones i think you know um for men, uh, you know, the testosterone and seeing how you're feeling like that in terms of libido and fatigue. For women, the menstrual cycle is a good warning one. But if you're really not sure or you're worried, then doing a blood test, you know, obviously I advocate blood tests because, you know, <laughs> that's my job, hormones. Uh, they are useful. Uh, and I like to look at the thyroid function, which gives an idea of energy availability and we can look at cortisol and other things. But I realized that, you know, not everyone's budget will stretch to a blood test. So I think just being sensible and recording these things. If you're a woman, record your uh, periods, what's happening, and just make a, your own personal log of how you're feeling. And if you notice things and it's like, why am I getting these injuries or why am I really fatigued? You know what, that actually is a very good indicator of what's going on with your hormones. If you have the you know, the budget and the ability to access a blood test, then that will give you extra information. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's that's important because sometimes we can try and do things to um, mitigate or, you know, reduce the likelihood of uh, yeah. red S, but maybe we're shooting in the dark. So having more information. Could yeah, be sure. Useful. Absolutely. Having all that, making your own notes, but then ultimately, yeah, uh, come and see me. Um, no, yeah. I mean, seriously, you know, getting that blood test can be, that's what I do. If someone is coming and I'm suspicious, 
I think, well, you know, I say, well, I think, I think this, we, let's get some blood tests to be sure that there's nothing else going on because there are other, there's plenty of other reasons why you meet, might be feeling fatigued. There could be a, you know, a genuine medical condition, if you, if you like, you know, an underactive thyroid rather than maybe the energy isn't there or something. So certainly I agree with you. Uh, it is best to have a blood test, but uh, as I say, it depends what your situation is. And if you're really feeling you know, fatigued and not good, then actually you should see your GP. And if you say to your GP your symptom, then you then absolutely uh, doing a blood test on the NHS is perfectly reasonable, you know? Yeah, I think I think that's really important. Um, would you would you say that the the getting hormone health is something that is um, is straightforward or like how do you feel people need to approach it? Is it is this something that if if we're doing the good sleep and we're eating really mm. well, is is this something that would just be consistent, or is there, are there other things that we need to be really aware of? I think you know the body is amazing. You know, millions of years of evolution. You know, it it does a, it works. It works like it should. It, you know, fortunately, most of us uh, will be will be fine and healthy. So if you're ticking all the boxes, all the things, doing all the things we discussed, then you can be pretty confident that you're doing a good job. But as I say, if, if you're not, you know, if there isn't something, you're doing all these things, but you, you're still not feeling right. You know yourself, you know, you know, you're, you're the person that knows yourself best, right? If you just can't, even if you can't exactly put your finger on it, because that's the thing about hormones, because they are invisible and they have so many effects, it can be tricky, right? If you, if you just don't feel that, you know, you're doing all this advice, but it's like that, I, something isn't right, and maybe you can't put your finger on it, then that is it, that, then the blood test, uh, certainly will help. And, you know, occasionally, of course, you know, there are medical conditions, uh, you know, that uh, can occur. Uh, for example, women whose periods become irregular, it might not just be because of low energy availability, it could be other things like polycystic ovary syndrome, which is one of the most common endocrine conditions, or if you're an older woman, it could be perimenopause, menopause, you know, there are some things. So I think if you're Sort of feeling a bit unsure and, and just not right, then definitely testing the hormones uh, is is a useful thing uh, to do. But uh, you know, because they are so tricky, that's why that's why I like hormones because it's not an obvious thing. Uh, I mean, with all due respect to orthopedic surgeons, you know, if someone's got a fracture, <laughs> it's pretty you know like yeah, the the break in that on that X-ray, you can see it, it's pretty certain that's what's what's going on. But the hormones, it's a little bit more subtle detective work. And so that's when, uh, you know, the blood tests are really, really useful. And that's why I love my job. Um, I do like a challenge. <laughs> you sound like you do. And um, please do go and see um, a professional who's specialist. I, I really do believe um, as healthcare professionals, we should specialize. And that will give um, people we, we see the best quality and standard of care. So if you do have any hormonal issues please get in touch with Nikki. Where can people get in touch with you if they ever needed to see you? Sure. And by the way, I think you make a very good point. For example, I'm not a physiotherapist. I am a Pilates teacher, so I, you know, mm. I, I've got an idea and I do lots of ballet, but I would not feel comfortable and it wouldn't be right for me to give, you know, the type of advice that you would give, for example, you know? Mm. So I think that's really important that people are assured that they're seeing the person that, you know, really knows their stuff and that's that's their area of expertise so yeah. if you want to find out more about me get in touch um well first of all 
a shameless plug for my book. No, don't worry. Was, I'm gonna I'm gonna use your book as the um, as our like for the podcast. So, 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 yeah, so your book you is gonna be. Get to know cool. me. It's the, the the book I've written that, and so um, you'll sort of see some of those things are familiar. The things we've talked about. In terms of seeing what I do, then I've got my website, Nikki K spelled K E A Y Fitness dot com. So that, uh, I'm also on uh, social media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. It's Nikki K Fitness, but. Unfortunately, someone decided to hack my Insta, so that's slightly inconsistent, which is annoying. But my new Twitter handle is uh, Dr. Nikki K. So I try and post stuff, useful information there. Um, and you can be sure it's reliable information, by the way. Um, but if you want to get in touch and, and set up even an appointment or whatever, then obviously come to my website and, and ping me an email. Yeah, please do. Please do get in touch if you have any issues with your hormone health, energy balance, energy availability, feeling just a bit rough and endurance training is not working for you at the moment. Um, yes. Nikki, uh, this has been amazing. This has been the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time out on this good Friday to talk to me. Well, it's been very good talking about hormones. So thanks so much for the invitation. <laughs>